Hello, and welcome back to Drag Time with Heclina. This is season two. Thank you all for listening. We have somebody very exciting joining us on the podcast today. But first, thank you so much for the tips you've been sending in. We get a few here and there, which help Mark to keep the show going. We're on Venmo and Cash App as Drag Time. If you want to find out all the ways to support the show, just visit our website, dragtimewithheclina.com. Now, introducing our guest. This is somebody that I first met. She was a massive fan of mine back in the day. And um, and I first met her when she I first met her when she performed at uh, Tranny Shack in Seattle. And um, and I knew she was something somebody very special the minute she performed on that stage. She's an actor. I think it's fair to say she's also a producer. She's a singer, a comedian, and the winner of the fifth season of RuPaul's Drag Race. We're so glad to have her. Give it up for Jinx Monsoon. Hello. Hi, honey. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. And, you know, um, you left out some of the best bits of that story of the first time we met and worked together. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, so here, here's here's my memory is that you were doing a number from Sweeney Todd and you were rehearsing. And yeah. I and, and I was like, I was like, this is way too long. You're going to have to go home and you're going to have to go... <laughs> Yeah, am I, am I getting it right so far? Yeah. Well, okay. what happened is I think it was Ben de la Creme couldn't do the show, so she suggested I fill in or or maybe Sylvia, oh, stay for more, dropped my name. But I was so excited um, because, you know, uh, those shows were legendary when you came to town. Mm-hmm. And it was Halloween, which is every drag queen's favorite holiday. And I was so nervous about having a good number that I, I, I worked so hard on this Sweeney Todd parody. And you're right. It was too long. And I did end up trimming it down and it was for the better. But I did show up to that rehearsal super nervous, super anxious. And I, I performed the song. And the only thing you said was, Mm, it's a bit long. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I ran home, I edited it, and then I had a personal vendetta of like just nailing it, you know, knocking uh-huh. it out of the park that night. And it was such a great crowd, and the whole show was so great. Um, and then Dan Savage ended up recording my entire performance and putting up putting it up on the the slog um feed the stranger website and that was really my big introduction to the seattle drag scene and it was all thanks to you hecklina <laughs> oh well of course i mean i always take credit for your drag career and yeah. um and, no, so yeah my, my memory of this that's my vivid, a vivid memory was i was listening but i was also organizing a bunch of other stuff and i was listening and i was like this is never gonna go over like um <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's too long She's not going to, you know what I mean? So I I do remember telling you that, like, girl, you got to edit this. But then I remember you coming and you were so amazing when you did the number. And I always tell people that. It's always hard to like to show um, a number that relies heavily on audience participation and energy, you know, and since Mm -hmm. half the number is me like feeding pies to the audience and getting the audience to holler back and stuff. I remember the rehearsal. I was standing up on that stage performing the song and I'm like, oh, my God, this seems so stupid right now, but it's going to be great when there's an audience. (laughs) Right, right, right. And it was it was. And then I think the next time I had you perform nobody like i couldn't talk about it yet but uh, you we knew that you were going to be on rupaul's drag race and you were like the toast of the town and um yeah well there's actually a story there's a story in between there but we'll get to that story later it happened in portland (laughs) 
But uh, <laughs> I'm glad you remember. I was just telling that story the other day. Heckman oh always comes through with the the tough love for young drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, like a reluctant mother hen. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so one thing I want to go dive right into is that I was a guest at your virtual wedding, and you know Devin Green lives down here right now, and we were talking about it, and um, so. You married uh, Mr. Michael Abbott from Manchester. Uh, yeah. Does he does he live with you in Not Seattle? Yet. Okay. I'm in Portland, Oregon now. I I moved back. I always knew I was going to move back to Portland, Oregon someday. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was born and raised here, and there's kind of a thing. Most people who leave Portland end up back in Portland. I say it's like the Amish with their rumspringa. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Portlanders. Um, if you're born and raised in Portland, you have like a ninety percent chance of ending up back here <laughs> because there's nowhere oh. else in the world quite like it. Yeah, and, it's true. Um, so yeah, thanks to the quarantine and the pandemic, um, the pandemic Lovato, um, I uh, I moved back basically just because it was a nice place to quarantine. But now that I've been here, I'm like, oh, this is where I want to be. So I might still have more adventures ahead of me, you know, living in other mm. cities here and there. But Portland's become the the home base and the forever home <laughs> what one thing okay so I'll get, we'll get back to the wedding in a minute but one thing that i don't miss about some cities like seattle and portland is the kind of <laughs> stifling uh political political correctness you know and, the, and 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 the canceling you know not that not that i'm being currently canceled or anything but i'm just watching all the <laughs> I'm watching all the, you know, in San Francisco, I'm watching all the cannibalizing people like, you know, just devouring each other. Is that happening at all in Portland right now? Um, I think any place that um, makes the effort to be, you know, progressive and and conscious and mindful is going to have a higher rate of, you know, people questioning one another's behavior and actions. And um, I think in Portland, you know, we hold the queer community, members of the queer community up to a a very high standard, I guess, when Mm -hmm. it comes to mindfulness. Um, But it's funny because I don't find it stifling probably because this is where I, you know, came out and this is the community I learned how to be an effective queer person. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so I always uh, what I find is when I go other places where political correctness isn't as much on everyone's minds, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always like, oh, my God, I'm shocked by this. You know, oh, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Well, um, you know, I, I, I guess I just mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally I, I totally support, of course, being uh, woke and being, you know, all that stuff. But sometimes they, they're just lashing out at each other uh, for you know, part of it is this kind of constant, like eating each other alive that I see. But anyway, I will say that having said that, I do have San Francisco filter in my head because I went to a drag show here in Palm Springs and, and <laughs> yeah. somebody somebody came out and did Half Breed by Cher with a full on Indian headdress. And I was so shocked and I looked around and nobody else cared. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was I was like, OK, I guess I just have to adjust to how people are just different. But well, um, anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I think there is, you know, we do live in this time right now where there will be people using, um, you, know, you know, using a, a worthwhile political movement for their own 
reasons, you know, I, I, I call it social justice opportunism. And I think right. that sometimes people will try to alleviate the pressures they're feeling by pointing out someone else's mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think sometimes we're, we're quick to jump on the next, the next scandal because right. then we don't have to kind of examine things in our, in, in our, in ourselves, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's no, my, um, my most um, uh, scholarly uh, comment on that is that, you know, yeah. there is a bit of people wanting to take the pressure off of themselves by being the person to out someone else's um, behavior. And I don't know. Um, I think ultimately we, we need to leave, uh, leave a little room, uh, uh, have a little time to process the situation and to, to look at the circumstances and the context before we're just like quick to eliminate someone from the community, you know? <laughs> True. Yeah, no, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. It's this woke scolding. But, um, but anyway, enough about that, because this all started with me asking you about your wedding. So how did you meet? <laughs> how did, I mean, we're back to that. How did you meet Michael? Yeah. Um, we met when I was in um, in Manchester on tour um, uh-huh. with my show, The Ginger Snapped, going through the UK. And um, uh, yeah, we we met. He didn't know anything about me or or Drag Race, so we really hit it off right away. Because oh, refreshing! We were, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we it must were have been refreshing for you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with people who already know who I am, but I do find that, like, when it comes to romantic situations, it's nice to get to know a person um, without any, like, uh, preconceived notions or any, like, he, he went into getting to know me completely with um, unbiased eyes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just celebrated our two year anniversary of our relationship. You know, oh, we've fabulous. only been married um, since January, but um, so we've begun the immigration process and, you know, with um, COVID things are really backed up right now. So um, we're not entirely sure when he'll be able to move here full time, but the process has begun and, and we, you know, we're used to being distant from each other. Our long distance mm-hmm. relationship has survived this long, so we can hold out until his immigration is processed. <laughs> Wait, so how, how did the wedding happen? You were in Manchester or he was in Portland? So he actually um, came and stayed with me for three months in Portland, but because uh-huh. of um, because of the travel ban at the time, um, the way for him to do it most safely and you know um, uh, abiding by all the protocols and rules, um, he actually went to Mexico City for a couple weeks and self quarantined there. And then he mm-hmm. was allowed, um, after a negative COVID test, he was allowed to enter the United States. Um, so he had to have that that two-week um, self-quarantine buffer between the UK and the States for him to be able to, to come in as a visitor. Um, okay. So he came in, he stayed here for three months, and on Christmas Eve, we were like, you know, let's get married. And, and then, um, no matter what happens with the rest of the pandemic and no matter how things go from here on out, we'll have the security of knowing that our relationship is legally recognized and, and hopefully we won't be kept apart by a a pandemic again, 
you know, right. it was kind of like yeah. a seizing the moment because, you know, it had been a really difficult year um, having to be separate from each other for the majority of 2020. Sure. Oh, well, he was, he's very charming, very charming young man. I, I must say he's that. He's charming and intelligent and talented and charismatic, and he's a musician himself, so we get to collaborate here and there, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely time. <laughs> oh, you know, I, who was the person who was accompanying you in your, um, in your little Edie show that I saw uh, uh, on the drag fest? That wasn't him, was it? No, that's um, that was my friend um, Marshall, <laughs> who's a, okay. a, a Portland local um, piano instructor, uh, instructor, and a drag queen as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. The whole time I was watching you, I thought it was Jeremy, you know, from uh, similar from, vibes. From yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Mark, my producer, has obviously looked at your Wikipedia page because he has a little thing here. In- <laughs> And he has a, a thing here in this script called The Creation of Jinx Monsoon. And um, I did not know this, but uh, apparently you've described the creation of Jinx Monsoon as taking perhaps not equal parts inspiration from Death Becomes Her, Lucille Ball, Disney Villains, and your mom. Uh, yeah. Is it, also, yeah <laughs> is it also safe to say that some first came to know Jinx through the Funny or Die webisodes entitled Monsoon Season? Yeah. Um, so well before Drag Race. Well, you know, Jinx is definitely, I always think of her as uh, the the base starting off point was always kind of just me doing a weird impression of my mom. Um, mm-hmm. She's also heavily inspired by um, the show Absolutely Fabulous, which is where I got my name, Monsoon. Um, oh, the, I didn't know lead, that. Yeah, the lead character, Jennifer Saunders, mm-hmm. plays Adina Monsoon, and that's mm-hmm. where I got the last name. Um, I was raised on Absolutely Fabulous from a very young age, so it's always had a place in my my writing style and comedy style but um yeah the voice of jinx is very much an impression of my mom and um <laughs> my mom and my aunt always fight because they always think that jinx is an impression of the other one you know they both uh, say no she's doing you no she's doing you <laughs> but it's it's really my um my mother um, oh, wow. but <laughs> But yeah, uh, well before Drag Race, my comedy partner, Nick Sohoy, and I used to um, do these little webisodes uh, (laughs) where we improvised um, silly situations, Uh, this drag family in Portland trying to live, um, uh, you know, bountiful lives, um, but being too socially inept to ever actually like, um, pull through for anything. (laughs) So like one episode was about us trying to do laundry and, but we've never done laundry before. And one episode Jinx has an audition for a new show and, um, it was mostly improvised and it was just us being, you know, assholes out in public in full drag. And then later we started scripting the show when we did it in Seattle. And, um, I always, once we started scripting it, I said it was like, um, I love Lucy uh, on drugs with drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> One person that you obviously are very close to uh, in Seattle is Ben de la Creme. And uh, one of the best things I saw this past year was the Jinx and De La Holiday special. Um, believe me, 
everybody sent me their Christmas shows to watch. You know, when you're when when you when when they know you, they send it to you thinking you're going to hopefully promote it. So I saw some holiday specials that weren't quite as good as yours. <laughs> um, with, so I did not mention them, but um, that was actually an amazing undertaking. Uh, the the holiday special. Tell us about that. It was, you know, it was um, one of the hardest things we've ever pulled off, but um, we're so glad that we 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 did it because um, Dayla and I talked for a long time um, before making the decision to do the movie, and a big reason why we we took it on um, was because you know it's an important thing um, to us as artists to have uh, a holiday show by and for queer people. And it's been an important thing to our audiences. You know, when we tour the show, it's become a queer holiday tradition for some people. And we thought, you know, if we're not going to be able to tour this year, we got to put something out in its place. But if we do it, we're going to do it to the maximum of our capabilities. Um, So we we wrote a brand new screenplay for it, you know, pulling from a lot of material from our first couple of tours. Um, but we we rewrote the script entirely to be its own thing, to be a, a, a film version of the show. And um, we were lucky enough to get to shoot it in Seattle, where we used a lot of um, people that we have been spending our holidays with for the last decade. And it really... While it was also an artistic endeavor and, you know, we were fortunate enough to get it on Hulu so that everyone in the States can watch it, um, we also just felt really, you know, really connected to the piece as um, its mission statement of creating like a, a home for the holidays feeling for queer people who might not necessarily get to go home for the holidays or m- might not have that relationship with their blood families. So they turn to their chosen families for that time of year when um, familial relationships can be so important. Yeah. Well, it was, it was really <laughs> great. Now, and obviously you have, I mean, it's an understatement. You have a great rapport and a history with Ben. How did you two? I mean, obviously, it's not a big leap of the imagination. You're both drag queens. <laughs> you're both you're both in Seattle. You're both performers. But uh, you know, how did you guys start performing together? Was and and are you guys like sisters? Is there a rivalry or do you guys? We um, there's never really been a rivalry, and um, I'll tell you how we met. It's it's one of Dela's favorite stories to tell, but. Um, you know, I was not really active in the drag scene in Seattle while I was going to school there. So after I graduated, um, one of my favorite teachers was always talking um, Ben de la Creme up to me. And I being a jaded drag queen, you know, who <laughs> was like, oh, there's no drag queen, no drag act I've seen that I haven't seen before. You know, but I I had heard a lot that Ben de la Creme was like the drag queen to know in, in Seattle at the time. And of course, there's countless talented performers in Seattle, and I don't mean to discredit any of them. Of course, but, like there's Mom Finley and... Um, yes, Sylvia uh, O'Stay for more. Yes. Um, Mama uh, Tits was one of ours for a long long time. Jackie <laughs> Hell. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so 
basically, though, you know, in the theater world, Ben de la Creme was writing one woman shows and kind of crossing that bridge between burlesque drag and theater in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So she was definitely put on my radar. And then I was performing with Major Scales, our show, The Vaudevillians, at a... um, Starbucks oh. <laughs> for free at uh-huh. 4 p.m. Uh, uh, in the afternoon, I think on a Sunday. And, uh-huh. you know, this is back when we were just taking any gig to get ourselves out there and seen and stuff. So Ben de la Creme came and saw our show um, at the Starbucks and afterward gave me her business card, which was like such a classy move if you remember business cards. Of course. Um, and when I looked down at the business card, I was like, Oh my God, that's the drag queen everyone tells me about. And it wasn't long after that um, that we started, like, we would perform alongside each other in shows. And she had a few auditions for shows she was producing um, and major scales. And I got roles in those. So right away, we started, like, you know, enjoying each other's company. But the way Ben um, de la Creme will tell the story is that she, <laughs> she says she saw our show and she decided then and there, I've got to work with jinx monsoon otherwise we're going to be enemies and we're going to be rivals <laughs> so <laughs> we both kind of made the conscious decision to work with each other rather than um directly compete with one another and uh-huh. in that we've always like made room for each other in our respective shows and we've collaborated a lot and when we started doing the christmas tour that was the first time we started writing a show together and after like a decade of friendship the the shows kind of write themselves you know we know how to write for each other because we're so familiar with each other's work and we have such a mutual respect for one another that it's really easy to share the stage with ben de la creme whereas sometimes you get two drag queens on stage and and um they don't know how to share necessarily (laughs) yes i'm well aware of that (laughs) i'm Um, sure (laughs) right before um right before uh the the lockdown i remember you know things were getting really scary back in uh, march of 2020 i was rehearsing with you and ben and peaches for uh, drag becomes her at the castro theater and that was a really scary time but you know that's just one of the shows of course, we couldn't do the show, but yeah. um, we, we hope to be able to do it soon. But that's just one of the shows that you've uh, done with Peaches Christ, segueing from Ben over to Peaches. You have a very, <laughs> uh, you, you have a very close relationship with Peaches. And um, tell me what you think about Peaches Christ. Um, I'll tell you, it's, it's, I, I look back on this always so fondly because um, – I started doing drag at age 15 and I think, you know, YouTube started becoming very popular around when I was like 16 or 17. And I remember years and years ago before, before I was even out of high school, I first saw a Peaches Christ YouTube video of her recommending horror films. Mm. And, um, So I had known about Peaches for years before I ever got the first chance to work with her. So, um, you know, my my teenage drag self was freaking out the first time I got the the phone call from Peaches Christ to do one of her um, cult pre-shows. And our first collaboration was Grey Gardens. And we announced it the week that um, I portrayed Little Edie on Snatch Game for Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And... I think just immediately it was like, you know, Peaches and I have such a similar 
um, brand of humor. We have similar uh, writing styles. I would say we have very different performing styles, but every in every other way, we um, <laughs> we're pretty much cut from the same cloth. <laughs> what is what is her performing style? I'm not quite sure. I would say Peaches is a little more deadpan. Peaches is a little more um, direct, whereas I, um, I'm i a little more passive-aggressive in my performance style. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean passive-aggressive? Oh, I don't know. You know, nothing. Uh-huh. I, I think everything I do on stage is said through nuance, you know. I mean, uh-huh. I'll be telling a dick joke, but really I'm I'm, I'm telling you a story about, uh, you know, improving your life through sex empowerment. I don't know. The point is, <laughs> the point is, I would say my performance is a little more nuanced, whereas Peaches is a little more direct um, and she is a master of the deadpan. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um uh, do you have any other projects? What What have you been working on during the past year of lockdown? Like anything that we can expect to see when things open up? Yeah, well, um, Dela and I are working on bringing back our holiday tour. And, um, you know, I think it's at about the right time that uh, people will be vaccinated and we'll have figured out how to get back to life as it was pre- previously scheduled, you know? Yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> um, yeah. But until the holidays of 2021, I don't really have any plans other than continuing to work from home. Um, I've been pouring a lot of effort into my Patreon page, um, which is just patreon.com slash Jinx Monsoon, um, and, you know, giving my YouTube channel some more attention. Um, I'm working on a new podcast with a uh, uh, Forever Dog and the moms of uh, the moguls of media network, you know, um, Alaska and uh, Willem's uh, podcast network. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm independently producing a, a Futurama review podcast with with Nick Sahoya. And um, let's see. I don't know. I just I, I hustle my way through every week until until we get back to um, live entertainment. I'm more technologically advanced than I ever hoped to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think this whole thing has kind of forced us all to be a little bit like that. Uh, Mark wrote something here. What is this, Mark? Uh, a voiceover? A voice? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, Heclina often discounts exactly how many nerds listen to this podcast. And I was wondering <laughs> if you could help <laughs> if you could help some of them out by talking a little bit about some of the voiceover work you've done for like Hell of a Boss. And I think some people don't know that you've contributed to Steven Universe. Yeah, I am. Um, voiceover work um, has become one of my favorite things to do. I I feel like I get to do a drag performance without having to get into drag, which, you know, after 18 years of um, getting into drag, um, I love being in drag, but I I have very little patience for the process. You know, Um, it can take up to two and a half or three hours to get fully done up. And I find that so tedious. But once I'm done up, I'm like good to go for days, you know? (laughs) So I really like voiceover acting because I can play a multitude of characters without ever having to put any makeup on. And um, um, uh, I I was a 
cast member on Steven Universe, which is one of my favorite animated shows. And it's it's made for young adults, but I think it's reaches universal. And it's a very, very um, feminist, uh, queer forward, um, very wonderful show that is uh, amazing that it's now accessible for for young people to learn about trans issues and um all kinds of things about your identity you know there's it's a very well written show that it, on its surface is a f- fun show about aliens um but at its core is a very meaningful show for the queer community um so it was a a pleasure to work on that show and then um i i i voiced a hair monster on the show mighty magiswords for cartoon network and i've done a, a three episode arc on um the show bravest warriors which is um by the creators of adventure time most recently i've been working on um the show hell of a boss um which is created by vivian madrano um and also um co-written by my friend brandon rogers and the um one of the voice actors is also the voice director and that's um richard horvitz who voiced Zim on the show Invader Zim, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. So now it blows my mind that I go into the studio and I have um, voice acting sessions with the voice of Invader Zim directing me and reading the <laughs> scenes with me. And my my little teenage brain can't handle it most of the time. <laughs> That's so cool. I guess Hell of a Boss for people who are looking for something really fun is follows the story of character Blitz, a classic demon imp who sets out to run his all his own uh, small assassin business with uh, his weapons specialist Moxie and, and Bruiser Millie, Reception Luna, and uh, they attempt to survive each other while running a startup in hell. So that's on YouTube. Yeah. And it's very, it's um, very much adult animation. It's yeah. full of bad words and um, cartoon violence and sexual situations, and it's right up my alley. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for that. <laughs> all right. Um, tell us about your work. Uh, have you been in contact at all with Major Scales? Tell us how you came to work with Major Scales. Major and I went to college together, Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle, and I um, I think our junior year, junior year, senior year, um, there was a, a, a student-run cabaret show, and we created these characters, Kitty Whitless and Dr. Dan Von Dandy, who are two 1920s vaudeville stars who were frozen alive for the last century and only recently thawed out um, to, to return to the stage, and... Uh, they found out that because they had no copyrights on any of their original music, that over the last century, pop stars have been covering their music and taking it completely out of context. So what that all boils down to is um, we do pop songs from the last, you know, um, 50 years or so. Um, as if they were written in the 1920s, and we put them in a historical context for these characters. Um, and it started out with the song Peace of My Heart, which was uh, a love song they wrote for each other. And then Girls Just Want to Have Fun was all about um, the women's suffragette movement and the fight <laughs> for the right to vote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was our first collaboration together. And um, since then, we've toured – 
um, the Vaudevillians show um, starring those two characters, as well as a handful of other shows that we've co-created. Um, and we've released two albums together. Um, Major Scales writes music in exactly the way I like to sing it. So <laughs> it's really amazing as a, as a drag performer to have um, a musical genius um, who, who has zeroed in on um, how to write perfect songs for you. So um, it's been a, a wonderful collaboration that's going on, you know, 12 years now. And um, we're hoping to work on our next album. You know, we put a big pause on our next album due to COVID. Um, but we are, um, we're, we're gearing back up to working on our, our third feature album, which doesn't have a title yet, but is going to be an allegorical uh satirical rock opera set in space. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Uh, Jinx Monsoon, now we come to the most important part of the entire podcast. Your favorite memory of Heclina. And I think, I, and I think you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, this one... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is after we had worked together once before and we were uh -huh. both doing um, Pride in Portland and I had agreed to do this show and turned down all these other offers because I agreed to do this show um, for a friend and they had agreed to pay me uh, a modest stipend for my performance and then that day um, oh, they basically couldn't pay me because the show hadn't done as well as we had hoped and we've all been there as as performers i'm sure where you know not enough people walk through the door so we have to start scrambling to pay anybody and uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so i ended up leaving that show without collecting a fee and um uh i think promptly after the show i ate a bunch of mushroom chocolates <laughs> and right before the mushrooms hit my system, I was standing on a street corner and up walks Heclina and she just very politely asks me, um, how my, how my pride went. And I stood there and told my sob story about not getting paid and this show being a flop and, um, uh, just poured my heart out to you on, uh, on the corner of the street and at the end of my sob story, a car pulled up right next to us. And you said, well, that's my car. Have a good one. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Not saying a word about anything I had poured out to you. Um, and then I think it was just moments later that the mushrooms hit. And I um, <laughs> oh, my thoroughly God. enjoyed the rest of my pride. So don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. You know what? In my defense, I'm sure I was on my last calorie and I was going to eat somewhere. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. <laughs> and I think I know the queen you were performing for, um, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, yes. And, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and then I remember the next time that we met, you were a big star and you were like, huh. 
Look at me. I'm a big star now. Oh, yeah, right. I'll I'll show her. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Well, uh, Jinx, it's been wonderful having you. Finally, I was able to get you you on my podcast. Yes. And And um, while I'm still on, I just want to reiterate, um, Peaches Christ is a genius. And if I I implied anything by saying her performance is direct, whereas mine is nuanced, um, just chalk it up to my theater school training. (laughs) Ah, Because I can already hear Peaches. I can already hear Peaches texting me. So you think I'm... (laughs) deadpan huh so you think my performance isn't as nuanced huh oh god i know well she's 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 very she's a very sensitive girl oh yeah Peaches right i think she sensitive. had her emotions removed years ago <laughs> she needs to get a few other things removed but anyway oh jeez um it has been wonderful and i cannot wait until we can all get together and do uh, drag becomes her uh, if you want to find Jinx Monsoon and keep up with her work, check out her website, jinxmonsoon.com. Is that still current? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just remember you spell my name um, correctly. It's J-I-N-K-X. Mm-hmm. I paid extra for the K, so you have to use it. And K is okay. very expensive. Uh, very expensive. It is. <laughs> you can also find her on Facebook. Uh, you can look, look her up on Facebook at Jinx Monsoon and on Instagram as The Jinx. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Hecklina. If you love us, show it. Subscribe to the show. Like us, rate us. And please tell anybody you can about Drag Time with Hecklina. Once again, finally, we had her on our show. Give it up for Jinx Monsoon. Yay. Thank you, Heckles. <laughs> Thank you. I hope to see you soon, honey. You too. Hey.